Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brandon Lindell, Executive Ministry Pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about glory you can see. Glory you can see. You know, there's one of the privileges of being a Christian One of the privileges of walking with Jesus is the presence of God, the privilege of sensing God's presence, God's sensed presence. Knowing his presence is in a place. Knowing his presence is with you. Sensing his peace, hearing his voice. That's just one of the great joys of even when you're in in a prayer meeting, and you sense God's presence, it's powerful. It's one of the wonderful things about being a Christian. But the physical demonstration of God's glory, his presence and power, the physically being demonstrated, is a critical part of the life of every believer. Especially when it comes to partnering with the Spirit of God to do what he's called us to do, and that is to reach the world. And unfortunately, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves undervaluing that, if not not desiring that. Like, God, would you move in a way, a tangible, physical way, either because we're distracted, you know, that's what we got our eyes on other things. We don't understand or we don't desire it. We don't value it. But here's the truth. Most of the time, what we don't value spiritually we will not see. So if you're like, hey, I think that would be great, or yeah, that would be cool, or maybe, you're not going to see it. Because if you don't value something spiritually as you're walking as a believer, you won't see what you don't value. And that's not, there's an exception for that when it comes to lost people. God shows up in a lost person's life whether they value it or not. But when it comes to the life of faith, As your faith is, let it be unto you, Jesus said. And there's things we see God do in Scripture that we should desire. We should desire God's power to move in a way that disrupts the culture around us, brings a validation to the gospel of Jesus Christ because we're able to bring power into the room in a way that people go, Oh my word, God is in this place. God is doing something through you. God is doing something right now, and I need Jesus. And the glory of the Lord can do that. And so I'm going to read a passage that kind of brings the glory of the Lord alive to you. It's in Exodus chapter 34, and it says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. So Exodus 33, you might be familiar, it's it's a passage where Moses says, hey, Lord, show us your glory. Lord, if your glory doesn't go with us, then don't let us leave this place. And God's glory comes down on the mountain. And then Moses spends 40 days up on the mountain fasting in the presence of the Lord and receives the covenant. And when he comes down, his face is literally glowing. I mean, how cool is that? His face is like lighting up so much that his face was hard to look at. That's how bright his face is glowing. It become radiant. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. 
But Moses called out to them and asked, and asked Aaron and the elders of the community to come over, and he talked with them. Then all the people of Israel approached him, and Moses gave them all the instructions the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he covered his face with a veil. But whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. Then he would give the people whatever instructions the Lord had given him, and the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. So he put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. The glory of the Lord so on Moses that his face literally glows. His face literally glows. Now, I want to ask you a couple questions. Why would God do that? Why would God make Moses' face glow? What, what, what value does that bring? How does that bring any change? What, what is God doing in that moment? And, you know, you might say, well, like, well, it's just because he was in the presence of the Lord solely because of that. But Moses had been in the presence of the Lord in powerful ways at other times, and his face hadn't glowed. But yet, in this passage, his face glows. So that's a question we might ask. Why is the physical demonstration of God's glory so important? What is important about that? Why does God bring his glory into a place physically? Why did the cloud fill the temple when they dedicated the Solomon's temple to the Lord? The cloud of God's glory filled the temple. Why were there tongues of fire on people's heads when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2? Why did the place shake? Why was there a mighty rushing wind? Why does God's glory, why does he do that? And before we answer that question, I want to tackle something uh, for everybody who's saying like, well, that's the Old Testament, you know, that objection. Like, well, that's the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. Uh, Acts chapter 6, in verse 15, Stephen's speaking to the Sanhedrin, and it says this, at this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face had become as bright as an angel's. That's pretty neat, huh? So they're like, they don't even like the guy, but they're like, I can't stop looking at you because your face is glowing. And I honestly, you could preach just on that passage, just with that thought I gave you on a reason that God's glory makes a difference. Because I'm telling you, if your face starts glowing at work, people will listen to what you have to say. All right. <laughs> the first thing I want to give you is God's glory gives the message of the gospel credibility. When God's physical, tangible glory comes into a place or is manifested, demonstrated through his power, it gives the message of the gospel credibility. And God's glory does occur through signs and wonders. In John, when Jesus turns water into wine, it says this, this miraculous sign at Cana of Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. So he turns water into wine. Maybe you could at that point say, well, that kind of falls into the category of why would God do that? Why, why would God turn water into wine? Why would God save this marriage festival? Why would, he, why would that be something that he does? And he's revealing his glory by his care for people. He's revealing his glory by his power. And that one sign, we get this spiritual truth, revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. 
His glory being manifested caused people to believe in him. It adds a credibility, if you will, to the message of the gospel. It verifies what God is saying through his word, the truth of the gospel. That's why you walking in power is so important. That's why it's not optional as believers for us to say, oh yeah, that's cool. I know somebody who prays for people that they'll be healed, but that's not for me. I know somebody who walks in the power of God, but that's not for me. Then you're diminishing God's glory in your life and the message of credibility that God would want to put on your message that he's put in you, which is the message of the gospel that Jesus Christ came and died to save people. He uses signs and wonders to show his glory to bring credibility to the gospel. I mean, can you imagine being Moses? Let's go back to the story in the Old Testament. Moses comes down from the mountain. He's going to give people the love. He's going to give them, hey, this is how you should live your life. This is how we're going to operate as a nation. I can imagine that as he's doing that, his credibility went up because his face was glowing. What he had to say all of a sudden was like, yeah, this is probably from God. I think it might be the fact that you're, you're shining. God reveals his glory. Maybe you're in... in in a situation at work where you're the only believer at your work, you should pray, God, reveal your glory. If your faith isn't there, then say, God, build my faith, move my faith. God's not going to reveal his glory through you if you're like, I don't think that can happen. But if you say, God, I'm, God, you see the opposition. God, you know the need. And God, in Scripture, this is how you validated your message. Lord, validate the gospel through me by revealing your glory. And God will do it. Because that's one of, the, one of the things God does. It's one of the ways he validates the message. You know, in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, uh, this, this, um, this is Peter preaching. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles and wonders and signs through him, as you well know. So Jesus was endorsed his, by glory, by signs and wonders. Signs and wonders bring glory. Jesus was endorsed by that. It's an interesting verse, isn't it? Look at this in Hebrews. It says, so what makes us think we can escape if we ignore such a great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak and God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit when, wherever he chose. So this once again breaks down that popular thought that is, preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words, all right? Well, Scripture teaches, preach the gospel with words and verify it with signs and wonders. So I, Paul said, I did not come to you merely with words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And when God's glory comes in, it verifies what he's doing, it verifies the message, and it builds faith. Causes people to believe God. God is going to reveal his glory in this place. And when he does, faith will rise like we've never seen before. And we're going to see God do more than he's ever done before. Because when God's glory comes in a place, it says, hey, I'm here. I'm doing this. And God, it raises people's faith because it verifies his message. 
Number two, God's glory gives a fearful recognition of his presence. So watch this in Exodus. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. And that's not because they're just afraid of Moses. They're afraid because they're like, you see God physically do something. You see somebody get healed. You know, I'm telling you, God is going to work. It's, going to, it's moving outside the church. God is going to work in your workplace. God is going to work in your family that doesn't know Jesus. God is going to do signs and wonders through you. And when he does, I'm telling you, people, it's shocking to them. It's like, what do I do with that? Because all of a sudden, they're like, I have to do something with this. There's a testimony recently of somebody who got a test uh, from their doctor. And, and so they, it, they had this issue. They got the test done. Uh, and it came back that they had the issue for sure. So they were going to get a procedure done. They got the procedure done. When it came back, the results were negative. And so the doctor was like, well, that was just a false positive. But the wrestling that you have to go through in order to come to that conclusion, that's what happens when people are confronted with signs and wonders. It causes them to go, either there is a God in heaven or I have to do some real gymnastics to get through this, you know? Because God's revealing his glory and it gives you an awareness. If there's a God in heaven, there's accountability. If there's a God in heaven, then, I, then there is sin, then there is hell, then there is heaven, and there is Jesus, and I need to do something about that. I need to make a change. It brings the conviction of sin and awe of God when he reveals his glory. Acts 2.43 says, Awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. In Luke chapter 5, Peter and some of the disciples are fishing and they fish all night and they don't catch anything, which is always a bummer when you're fishing. And they're out there and they're tired. And Jesus says, hey, you know, he says, why don't you try casting your net on the other side? And they're like, mm, okay. So they, they decide to do it. And the net fills with fish. And so, so, so much fish that it's hard to pull in. And Peter does this. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. You know, there's been, um, at times people will criticize what God does and say, you know, something as simple as like plantar fasciitis. Does God really care about that? God really care about a tooth? Does God really care about those things? You know, why are you making such a big deal out of that? You know, but for somebody whose tooth hurts, it's a big deal. And for somebody who knows their tooth hurts and knows that that's been going on for a while, when God's presence comes in and changes that, it's just like fish filling up a net. Does God really fill up fish with nets? Does he really care about that? Yeah, he does, because he wants to reveal his glory, because he wants people to realize there is a God in heaven, and that's exactly what happens here with Peter. Peter says, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. 
as were the others with him. When God's glory is revealed, it brings this awareness of a holy God. And God can use something as simple as healing somebody or as simple as somebody catching fish to reveal his glory. But it instantly, when the supernatural presence of God comes on a person or in a situation that is undeniable, it brings awe. And it brings a fear of the Lord and a recognition of sin. And that's powerful for God verifying the message to bring people to salvation, which is God's heart for humanity. Why would God bring his glory? He'd bring it to verify the message. He'd bring it so people have an awe. So how do we walk in that? God's glory comes, third, from being in his presence. God's glory comes from being in his presence. When Moses came down, from Mount Sinai, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. I think that's really telling because whenever you're in the presence of the Lord, and that's why God's glory comes from being in his presence, being in God's presence makes it not about you. You're like, okay, I want that. I want God to work in my life. I've just not not seen that, and I, I really... I think that is a good thing, but why am I not seeing it? And you have to say, you know what? Am I really valuing the presence of the Lord? You know, and I I just want to encourage you. You don't have to be like, you don't have to have walked with God for 20 years to see his glory work in your life. You could have been saved on Sunday and God's glory can be revealed through you. It's placing that value on his presence that really is the, the game changer. And, and being in his presence and believing him to do something powerful is what brings his glory into a situation. So I just want to really encourage you. Maybe you haven't been saved for very long. Or maybe you're here and you're, you're just like, I think I just gave my heart to the Lord. Whatever that, the case may be, never pause from saying God can use you when you're walking with Jesus because if you, if you believe him and you're in his presence, he can do powerful things. But as you're walking with God, you need that continual time in his presence if you want to see him work in your life and continue to work in, his, in your life. Because it's a time in his presence that creates a self-forgetfulness that is so necessary to seeing him work in power. Whenever your eyes are on yourself, that's really a stopping point from the power of God. Whenever your eyes are on it, well, I don't know if God will use me. I don't know if this or that. I don't know any of those things. So you have to get in his presence. I love how when Moses came down from the mountain, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he's not thinking about himself. But he's prioritizing the presence of God. What happened? Moses was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. Moses was spending time with the Lord. Moses is constantly going to the tent of meeting. We see that. Verse 34. But whenever he went to the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. And the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. So he put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. This is a habit of his life. The habit of his life is getting in God's presence. The priority of his life is getting in God's presence. And I just want to encourage you tonight, if you don't have God's power accompanying your life, 
It may be because you haven't put a priority on his presence. And oftentimes when God wants you to put that priority on his presence, he'll come to you and he'll speak to you and say, you know what? This is a habit in your life and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's keeping you from the best thing because your time, it's eating your time and your focus and your energy. And if you want to experience my power, then you're going to have to let me take that. This is something, this is the way you patterned your life in it, or you patterned your family, or you patterned the way you do things. And unless you give that to me, it's going to limit what I can do in your life because it limits your ability to be in my presence. Because honestly, if you're like, man, I just, I find time to be with God when it works out or kind of whatever, and there's not a, a, a daily pattern that says, God, I am going to spend time with you. I'm going to be a person of your presence. Then you're going to miss out on what God wants to do in your life. Moses spent time with God and God revealed his glory through him. And God's presence is here even now. And it's an invitation to you. I want to use you. I want to work in you. I want to be with you. But you're going to need to say, God, you're all I want. You're all I need, God. God, I want everything you have for me. And God, anything in his presence, that's where you get rid of those blockers, like that self-awareness, or you get rid of those blockers, or like, God, you've spoke to me about this, but I haven't given this to you. You get rid of those blockers, like unbelief that say, God, I just don't know. And you need to get in his presence and you need to not just say, okay, I'm here, God. But you need to say, God, get rid of anything you don't want in me, God, and let me behold your face. God, get rid of anything you don't want in me and God, help reveal your glory through me, God. God, get rid of anything that dishonors you, God, because I want all you have for me, God. God, I, I, God I'm not hungry. God, I need hunger. That's going to come in his presence. God, I, I God, need you to work in my workplace like we are talking about. God, I need you to reveal your glory because there's such opposition there. God, reveal your glory. God, I pray that you remove any obstacle to that, God, anything, God, that I am, Lord, allowing in my life that doesn't honor you because I want your glory, God. God, I want to see your glory. God, there's things in my life that are distracting me from what you have for me. I want your glory. I need to get rid of those distractions. And even as I'm talking, God's putting those things on your heart saying, hey, you know exactly what that is. But it's not just going to go away. It's going to be start by you saying, God, I'm putting a priority on your presence. So I'm going to get with you and I'm going to get in your presence and I'm going to give it to you.